Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. Last year in 2020, Tyler Lockett had his best season yet. The sixth-year wideout from Kansas State amassed 100 catches for 1,054 yards and 10 touchdowns and started every game for the Seahawks. He became the first Seahawks wide receiver to hit triple digits for catches in franchise history. And on March 31st, the Seahawks rewarded Lockett for his excellent play with a four-year, $69.2 million contract extension. Lockett spoke about what this extension means to him in a press conference after signing his new deal. We say that the average is three and a half years, you know, to play in a league. And I don't know if that's changed. And so to even make it to a second contract, you've already, you know, beat the odds within the average years of playing. And to get another contract after that, I mean, it's it's like a, a really amazing accomplishment. You know, to me, it's a phenomenal accomplishment. The fact that Lockett has made it to a third contract is impressive. At just five foot, 10 inches, 182 pounds, Lockett is pretty small for an NFL player, and he consistently takes a beating over the middle and in the slot. And I know all Seahawks fans remember this because at the end of his second season, Lockett suffered just a gruesome leg injury and faced a long road to recovery. I, I tell some people all the time, like when I broke my leg, I lost half a step. <laughs> you know, but it's not like I need that half a step. It's just like, you know, I, I miss that half a step sometimes. But you know, you, like I said, man, you learn how to adapt. And that second year, you know, it's a blessing because the biggest thing that I've learned is that you're not always going to play healthy. As much as we want to say that, it doesn't matter what you do in what sport, you're not always going to be healthy. Sometimes you might have a little stinger. Sometimes you might have a nagging foot or something, whatever, but you got to be able to go out there and learn how to play. And so for me, man, like when I hurt my knee, I went out there, came back in the game. That was probably my best, my favorite play of my whole entire career. When I hurt my knee, my second year in versus the Rams, and I just told, and I told Russ, throw me the ball. <laughs> and he said, well, he said, well, what, um, what percentage are you feeling? Like one out of 10. And I don't remember what I said. I think I said like seven. And he was trying to figure out if that was good or not. And I was like, just throw it, I'll catch it. And he threw me the post and I caught it. That's probably my favorite play because I, I did not think I was going to be able to go back in. And I and, and people were shocked and I was shocked because I went out there thinking I wasn't going to play and I went back in the game and caught the ball. And so the reason why I tell that story is because I've learned you got to learn how to make it work. You know, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what adversity is going to come your way, but you figure out how to make it work. Lockett is now 28, and although he could play well into his 30s, one has to wonder if this new contract will be his last in the NFL. I would love to finish my career as a Seattle Seahawks, man. Like That's why I said it was amazing um, feeling that they even wanted to keep me on the team even longer. You know, I understand it's a business. I understand that sometimes business moves are made, and sometimes it works out in the best interests of ourselves as players, and sometimes it doesn't. It benefits other players. So just to be able to kind of see how they feel about me, understand how they feel about me, hear about them, hear those words and excitement and all those different types of things, like it, it brings that type of feeling to me that, you know, they want me here just as much as I want to be here. And who wouldn't want to finish their career with um, a team that loves them just as much as you love them? 
Regardless, Lockett will be in Seattle for the foreseeable future. With the disappointment that ended the 2020 season, many are wondering if the Seahawks' Super Bowl window has closed. Lockett is not as pessimistic. 31 teams is going to be disappointed. You know what I mean? So I think regardless of what would have happened to us in the playoffs, if it didn't result into a Super Bowl, we were going to end in disappointment. You know, and everybody has their opinions of, well, you know, you lost in the first round, this team lost in the second or the third, or this team lost in the um, Super Bowl. At the end of the day, if you're not the one with the trophy, it doesn't matter, right? So I think for us, the biggest thing that I know I've learned as an athlete is you can't take what happened last year into what's going on this year. You have to learn how to evolve. You have to learn how to adapt. Each player is going to be different. Um, we all bring different qualities and we bring different things to the table. And we have to be able to figure out how to make that work. Just because you're successful the whole entire regular season doesn't mean you're going to win the Super Bowl. You know, it's the team that's able to adapt to whatever situation comes their way that's going to be able to be the one that can win the Super Bowl. There is, of course, still room for improvement with the Seahawks. Lockett theorizes that the Seahawks' struggles from last year stemmed from their ability to make sound in-game adjustments. When you look at the first half of our season and you see the way that we played, I mean, why would we ever stop playing like that, right? Like, everything is clicking, whatever we choose to do, and it worked so good to where we really didn't have to worry about adjusting. We made everybody adjust to us. You know, so it wasn't until the second half of the season where we were truly faced with having to learn how to adjust. And that's the thing that sometimes is hard for people in general. You know, like I like watching basketball sometimes, but it's like, you know, when you're guarding somebody who only likes to shoot threes, well, you're going to kill them every single time because you can get yourself open. But what happens when they say, get on him and don't let him shoot, make him drive. You now you have to adjust your game. And so that's what I've learned. Like, even for us is we've done so many things that was, that was like out of this world to where people was like, this offense is crazy. It's where we didn't have to adjust. And then when teams started doing some of the things that we hadn't seen on film and they were starting to, to just do certain things just to prepare for us. Now we had to learn how to be able to see what they're doing before we attack. Some of these issues could be remedied with the Seahawks offseason coaching change at the offensive coordinator spot. We'll hear from Tyler about what he thinks about Shane Waldron based on what he's seen from Waldron's time with the Rams. That's coming up next. Tyler Lockett was drafted by the Seahawks in 2015 and played three seasons under former offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel. Now going into his seventh season, he's moving on to his third offensive coordinator after three years working with Brian Schottenheimer. Lockett says he learned a lot from Schotty and is excited to have Shane Waldron run the offense now. Yeah, well, I mean, even when we watched um, the Rams and how they did a lot of things, they did a lot of great things. They utilized people in a lot of great ways. And just with the opportunity to be able to have Shane come in, I think there's a lot of things that we can learn. You know, there's a lot of things in which he brings to the table in which um, it may be new to not only us, but maybe coaches and other people who 
you know, have coached throughout the years or even players who've played throughout the years. So for us, I mean, I think we have to go into it with a, a mind that's able to accept and listen and understand and not act like we know everything. Um, you know, obviously for me, um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's been since I've been in the league, you know, it seemed like almost every three years we change offensive coordinators. Tyler added that he doesn't know his role in the offense quite yet. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm the type of person that I want to see what they have planned for me first. And, you know, I'll say kind of how I feel or how I think or can I do this or can I do that? Um, I mean, I kind of got to understand what role they see me in. And once I understand the role that they see me in, I can start understanding how I see myself in each and every one of these roles. And so, like I said, I don't really know what I'm going to be doing or where I'm going to be at, where I'm going to line up. Like, I mean, you got to figure out am I on the outside or the slider? Am I going to play anywhere or everywhere? So, like I said, um, it's not really until we start this process of OTAs and stuff that I really start to have an idea of the placement. And even that, it's not really going to be known until we get into camp and start actually playing in games. Installing a new offense might have been easier by having in-person OTAs, but these workouts have been complicated by the pandemic. Recently, Seahawks players released a statement that indicated their intent to keep these voluntary sessions virtual. I think that last year, you know, we did a virtual offseason. Nobody expected it to happen, and it worked out perfectly fine um, just because of the pandemic and the global um, shutdown and everything that took place and that's happened. And um, so in the statement, it's also refer, um, referred in there that, um, you know, we also want to do a virtual this year. Lockett, however, is not concerned about virtual workouts being a significant detractor on his performance. Sometimes we don't really know what we depend on and who we depend on until we don't have that around us anymore. And when we got into a pandemic, gyms shut down. When we got into a pandemic, we couldn't really just travel and go throw with people. And so you had to learn how to grind by yourself. You had to learn how to be your own personal trainer. Um, for me, that was one of the things I've done almost my whole entire career is I've trained by myself. Or I went to go train with my dad and my brothers, you know, or I'll have one of my friends do stuff with me who's a coach right now in high school. And we'll just go do stuff like old times. But it's like you had I had to get up myself and go ride the bike. I had to get up myself and go do a lot of this stuff. And to me, the reason why I've always wanted to try to do stuff like that is not because I'm against working out with trainers and stuff. I think that's awesome because for me, I need to work out with like some of our trainers with the Seahawks to live. Like I want to get better in that area. But for me, like I want to be able, if I ever get to that place mentally where I'm like, I don't know if I can do this no more. I There's going to be days where I'm not going to have the coaches there to pick me up or the players there to pick me up or a therapist there to pick me up. I got to learn how to pick myself up. Although Lockett often works out alone, he still values his football relationships above all. And the biggest thing that I've learned is football is about relationships. And not only is it about relationships on the field, but it's about having those long lasting relationships, even when you're done playing, because that's that's what matters as well at the end of the day. One of these important relationships is with Russell Wilson. Lockett spoke on the offseason saga surrounding his quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about it and stuff like that. Um, I, didn't, I didn't really talk to Russ about it. 
But I think at the end of the day, you know, like um, a lot of that, it's, you know, it's over there on his side. You know, that doesn't really have anything to do with me. And so just throughout all the stuff that was being said, I mean, you just got to learn how to decipher the real from the media. Right. So um, I think a lot of the guys on the inside that work within the Seahawks did a great job being able to 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 have those conversations with players and stuff to kind of like let them know what's the difference between what's actually been said and what wasn't said and what the media are saying is being said and it's not. Always great to hear from Tyler Lockett whenever he is behind the microphone. A big thanks to Wilson Kahn for his work in producing this episode. You can follow him on Twitter at Wilson Kahn, Kahn spelled C-O-N-N. You can follow me on Twitter at SeahawkersPod. Look for another episode of Field Goals on Saturday morning as I'll be talking draft once again with E.J. Snyder of Bootleg Football, Senior Draft Analyst for Windy City Gridiron, part of the SB Nation Network. We're going to be talking about some names throughout the draft the Seahawks could target to help on offense. A deep class of wide receivers and tackles, so we're going to be talking about those players as well as another cornerback who EJ and I are both really excited about. We didn't talk about him on the last cornerback episode. We're talking about him coming up this episode on Saturday, so stay tuned for that. Also, stay tuned and look for the post as we are going to be talking on Locker Room once again on Sunday. Clinton Bonner and I, for the three-in, three-out episode, we're going to be talking about the NFL rule changes for 2021. Follow along, LockerRoom.app. Follow me there, at Seahawkra, and turn on your notifications so you can get an alert when we go live. Looking forward to hearing from those of you who will be joining us for that live discussion. Hopefully, we'll see you there. And until then, go Hawks. Go Hawks.